Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. How we doing? All right, I got to get something out of the way. So in my normal everyday life, I say howdy to people. It's just what I do. I, don't know, I had a friend who started it when I was younger. And then I use the word fam sometimes, and so people make fun of that. And so they dared me to combine them. So howdy, fam. All right. So I did it. Now you owe me. Um, now, a couple of things really quickly before we dive in. Uh, there's, on June the 22nd, we have a car cruise that's coming up, uh, and so I want to make sure that you guys know about that. Uh, it's going to be a great time if you are a car person. It's not just for guys, but if you're a car person, uh, we invite you to come on out. There's going to be antique cars, there's going to be motorcycles, there's going to be food. Anytime there's food, that's a good thing, right? There's going to be food and music and door prizes, uh, and this is a great opportunity for maybe if you have a friend who's into cars. Uh, but isn't connected to a church or isn't a follower of Jesus, it'd be a great way to bring them, get them connected, help them to meet some people uh, in an environment that maybe isn't quite as intimidating as inviting them uh, to, a, to a Sunday service. But it's going to be a great time. If you have more questions about that, uh, you can talk to Andrew Holodnik. And actually, there are these uh, cards that are floating around. He's a brave man. He put his number right on there. Um, so you can prank call him. Ask him if his refrigerator's running, you know, he's got Prince Albert in a can, you know, just, um, but yeah, no, you can get more information from Andrew. And then also, uh, how many of you are in, just finished up fifth grade going into sixth grade? Are you out there? Where my, where my sixth graders at? I got one, got, there you are up in the balcony. All right, uh, congratulations, got some more up there. Um, today, after the service, uh, much to your, the breaking of your parents' hearts, you are no longer small children. You are junior high students, which means that you get to join the youth group. And so Pastor Ricky would love to invite you to a short meeting after the 11 o'clock service today to talk about next steps, what that looks like for you guys to come and be a part of the youth group. And we're so excited uh, for you to do that. And so uh, grab your parents by the hand and take them up to the youth auditorium after service. Pastor Ricky would love to meet all of you and talk to you about that. And is it just me or does anybody else, every time you watch the announcement for, um, for Summer XP, you just can't wait for, join the team. It's, it's my favorite. I love it every time. Uh, but, but my name is Todd. I'm one of the pastors here at the Summit, and I have the honor of opening God's Word with you this morning. Uh, we want to say thank you for being here, whether this is your first time here or you're a regular attender, whether you're sitting here in the room or whether you're joining us online. Thank you so much for being uh, a part of the Summit today and for taking the time uh, out of your day. You could have been anywhere today, but you chose to be with us, and so thank you so much for that. We are glad that you're here. Um, Pastor Mel, our, he would normally be preaching, uh, but he, actually he is still preaching. He's just not preaching here. Uh, he is in Ohio today at Adventure Church. 
Uh, you guys are familiar with Adventure Church. Their pastor, Kyle, has been with us uh, a few times. We helped to launch that church a few years back, and God's doing some incredible things there. Pastor Mel is with them this morning, uh, and so I get to open God's Word with you. And I did want to say, man, this seems like a lot of commercials, right? Maybe I'm just like long-winded. I don't know what it is. But I wanted to say thank you. So many of you uh, gave us cards and just wonderful notes. Honestly, sometimes it felt like I was reading about somebody else. Um, so thank you for all of the, all the pastor appreciation cards and gifts. Uh, it is an honor to be a part of the staff here, and uh, you guys make it. Honestly, I, I, can't, I can't remember a time that I've ever, I've been at some good churches. I don't want to disparage any churches, right? But this is the best, right? This is, so... Um, so we're in week number two of our series called Man Cave, and essentially this is just lessons from caves. Uh, there are stories in the scriptures that involve caves, and we can learn some lessons from those, what it means for us. Uh, and so we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 5 today, and we're going to read verses 1 through 20. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Mark chapter 5. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. We'll put it up on the screens, and you can read along there as well. Uh, but let's jump right in. So Mark chapter 5, verse number 1. It says, They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, um, uh, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he, talking about Jesus now, he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. And the herdsmen fled, and they told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened. Uh, so, sorry, I'm getting... And they begged Jesus to depart from their region. And he was getting into the boat. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go now, home to your friends, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. And thank you, Lord, uh, 
that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. And that your word is breath and life to us. It is instruction and it is good. I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we open it together today, that we will be shaped by it, that we will be formed into the image of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. Have your way in us, that we might be made like you and that we might bring honor to your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the first thought you may be having is, I didn't hear anything about a cave in this, in this text. So now I get the, the fun time of describing to you early ancient Israelite tombs. Doesn't that sound fun? Aren't you guys intrigued already? You're like, oh, let's talk about graves. Um, but no, in, uh, in ancient Israel, uh, they buried their dead in caves. And so either there would be a natural cave that was outside the city that they would use, or they would actually dig and carve out caves into the side of the mountains if there wasn't a natural cave available. But what they would do is they would go into the caves, and then in the walls of the caves, they would carve out niches in the walls that they could place the bodies in. Uh, how many of you have ever been on a, a submarine? A few of you. The ni- All right. So you, you guys would be familiar with this then. Uh, you know, when you're walking down, uh, I don't know if they call it a hallway on a submarine. What, you know, what do they call it? What? Passageway? All right. That, that seems pretty straightforward. Um, leave it to the military. Right? Um, but as you're walking down the passageway in a submarine, you'll see these little kind of holes in the wall. This is the bunks where the guys sleep, and they'll be stacked up on top of each other, sometimes three or four high, right? That's exactly what these caves would look like. They would carve out these holes in the wall, just the right size to fit a person in, and they would be three or four, sometimes five high. And when someone would pass away, they would wash the body, prepare it with perfumes, wrap it up in cloths, and then put it in Uh, that niche in the wall, and they would allow the body to sit there for a year, and it would stay in that place for a year, and then after uh, time had done what it does to a body, they would come back in with uh, a box called an ossuary, which is just a fancy word for bone box, but I wanted to say ossuary because it sounds cool, Um, but they would come back in with the bone box, and they would take the bones that were left after the body had decayed, put them in the box, and then that would go into a lower portion of the tombs. They would, go, they would dig a deeper hole, and they would go down there, and then all the boxes uh, were down there. And that, that's the way that they handled um, burial in those times. And so if you kind of can picture that in your mind, then you can begin to imagine the conditions that this man was living in. Right? He's surrounded by death and decay. He's surrounded by stench. He's surrounded by darkness. It's not like they had electric lights back then. Uh, So he's living in the caves, in the tombs, among the dead. He's tormented day and night by these evil spirits that that have hold on him. And uh, the Bible says that he cries out day and night. He is tortured by this thing that has hold on him. And at first glance, at first blush, we may not think that we have a whole lot in common with him. 
But the truth is that we often have far more in common with him than we think. And so I want to take a few minutes this morning and kind of walk through this passage with you and talk about the work of Christ in our lives, talk about God's intent for us, talk about what it means for us to encounter Jesus in the way that this man did. So the first thing that we understand about this man is this. Number one, he had an issue that he could not control. He had an issue that he could not control. Uh, I didn't tell this story in any of the other services, but when I was a kid, um, I had two, I have, I had, I still have, I still have, thankfully, by God's grace, I still have two brothers. Um, uh, but we were, as, as boys kind of sometimes do, we used to love to jump our bikes, ramp our bikes, right, and see how much air we could get. And uh, we were doing this one day with the neighbor kid, and the neighbor kid, it was a really cool bike, but it was, it was kind of pieced together from other bicycles. He had, so there was a frame from one bicycle and a fork and handlebars from another bicycle. And, uh, and at this point, it was kind of pretty much being held together by rust. And my older brother, Jonathan, was on this particular bicycle. It was on the neighbor's bike. And because uh, we all liked it, it was a really cool bike. Um, but he was I mean, he was heading for the ramp as fast as he could go, and he hits the ramp, and he pulls up on the handlebars, and the frame breaks in half at the drop bar, and so he's got half of the bicycle in his hands like this, and the other half is still underneath him like that, and he's completely lost control at that point. There is no way he's going to make a a good landing. There's no way this turns out good. And of course, he crashes into the ground just in a heap and he boom, boom, he rolls and, you know, um, he wasn't hurt and we all really laughed about it. But the, the, I tell you that story just to say that sometimes we end up in a situation where we don't have control in our lives and we didn't ever intend to get there. Right? My brother didn't know that the bicycle was going to break in half. We don't set out in our lives to, to be dominated by something. That, you know what I mean? No one sets out to be an addict. No one sets out to be consumed by anxiety or fear. No one, it, when they're a kid, says, you know, I just want to grow up and be a workaholic. That's what I want to do. I want to grow up and be dominated by things that are outside of my control. I want to grow up and have things in my life that are controlling me. And, but often that's where we find ourselves. And that's where this man in the scripture finds himself. He didn't start out here. We don't know his story. We don't know how he ended up in the place that he did. But I can promise you, he didn't start out saying, I want to be naked and alone and living in the tombs. Yet that's where he finds himself. So there he is, right? And we know that he wasn't always that way because the scripture uses this language. It says no one could bind him anymore. Right? So there was a time in his life where it seemed at least that maybe, maybe he could get a grip on this thing. And maybe you've been there too. Maybe you've lied to yourself and said, you know what, I can handle this. It doesn't have me, I have it. but the frame on the bicycle is about to break, right? So he has an issue that he can't control. 
Number two, he's tormented by that thing. He's tormented by that thing. And we know that because it says, day and night he cried out in the caves and in the mountains and he cut himself with stones. He is tormented by this thing that is dominating him. It's not the way he wants to be living. It's not the thing that he wanted for himself. He doesn't know how to get out of it. He doesn't see a way out of his situation, so he is tormented by it. And maybe you're there today, and maybe you have that thing that just, you know, you keep going back to the same old thing over and over and over, and you keep falling prey to the same trap over and over and over, and you're being dominated by something in your life, and you, on the inside, it's eating you alive. And not only was he tormented on the inside, Right, But he was literally surrounded by death and decay as well because of the place that he had found himself in. And maybe you're there today and you feel like your world is falling apart around you because you cannot seem to get a handle on the thing that you desperately need God to intervene in. So he's got this issue this life-controlling issue. And he's tormented by it. And it's driven him, this is number three, it's driven him into isolation. The tombs were outside the city. He was alone. And maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you feel like that you are alone. That you can't share whatever you may be carrying with anybody. Maybe, you, maybe, you're, maybe there's a fear that says no one will understand or maybe there's something that says I'll be rejected or maybe there's a thing that says you know, no one, people are going to look at me differently. Maybe it's just a matter of the shame that you carry because whatever it may be today, it's driven you into isolation and you feel separated from the world. You feel separated from community and things that could bring you life and you feel isolated and you feel alone. The reality of our culture in particular today is that we can be sitting in, we are more connected than ever and we can be sitting in a room full of people just like this and be desperately alone. That's where this man finds himself. But here's number four. And this is the best news of all, right? So this man has an issue that he cannot control. He's unable to be restrained any longer. He can't, he just, he's out of control. He's tormented by this thing. It's driven him into isolation. But number four is this. He had an appointment with Jesus. So if you go back to the end of chapter 4 of Mark, Jesus is on the other side of the lake, and he's been preaching to the crowds, and after he finishes preaching, he looks at his disciples and he says, hey fellas, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. So they get in the boat and they go to the other side of the lake, and immediately after his encounter with this man, Jesus gets back in the boat and goes back to the other side of the lake. The only thing he did on that side of the lake was meet with that man. See, we serve a God who loves you so desperately that he will go out of his way to make an appointment with you to set you free from the things that have you bound. See, Jesus tells Jesus himself tells a parable about the good shepherd who leaves the 99 in the fold to go out and find the one that's lost. 
right? And then he says, I am the good shepherd. This is that in action. And today, for some of you, this is that moment for you. You are here today because God has made an appointment with you. You no longer have to live in isolation. You no longer have to be controlled and dominated by something that torments and tortures you. You no longer have to be a slave to anything. In fact, Galatians 5.1 says that for freedom, simply to see us free, right? For freedom, Christ has set us free. That is God's will for you. And so for some of you today, we're going to, it's a really short one today, right? We're going we're gonna to pray here in just a few minutes. But I want to talk to you just about a couple of things as we, as we prepare to do that. Because maybe some of you are sitting here today and you think, you know what, I've, I've prayed about this thing before. I've even come down and had people pray with me and felt like I had a breakthrough, felt like God was doing something in my life and I went, I went right back to the same stuff. Jesus talks about that, actually. In... Uh, Luke chapter 11, Jesus describes a a man with an unclean spirit, a person with an unclean spirit. And and by the way, just just so we can kind of have some common language, there are several things that Jesus uses to describe the works of the enemy, four things in particular in the New Testament, right? Um, So it's uh, sin, Satan, the flesh, and the world. Right? And so when he talks about unclean spirits, it's, it's part of that whole kind of list of ideas. Because I don't want you to think this morning, I don't want you to sit here and go, well, I'm not demon-possessed. That's really not the point. The point is that we have things in our lives that we can't control. We have things that dominate us. And that's what, that's what we're seeing in the scriptures. So I don't want you to dismiss yourself from this conversation because you think, well, I'm, I'm not that guy. So Jesus in Luke chapter 11 says, when an, when an unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, and finding none, it says, I will return to the house from which I came. So here's what Jesus is describing. There's a person who has an encounter with God, right? The, the thing that had a hold of them has to go, right? Jesus drives it out. The Spirit of God drives out that thing that's been troubling them, uh, but they don't fill themselves up with anything. It's just an empty house. That's the way Jesus describes it. If we go on in in this text, it says, when it comes, so it comes back to the person that they left, right? When it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. So everything's cleaned up, but it's still empty. And then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. So here's the thing that we need to understand. When you've had those encounters with God before, it's not that they weren't real, but the Lord doesn't just call us to stop at that moment. We then need to say, Lord, I want everything that you have. Fill me up with who you are. Let me walk in the liberty and the freedom that you've given me. Let me walk in the power of your spirit. Teach me to know you. Teach me to love you. Teach me to let me be surrendered and submitted to you and you alone. And so when we, when we, in just a few minutes, I'm going to invite you to be able to come and to pray with someone. And if that's you today, I want you to know that this is the beginning of a journey. It's not the end. 
And I also want to say this, you overcome, the word of God says, by two things. Right? You come and you pray, the blood of the Lamb, right? You come and you encounter God. So scripture says in Revelation that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. So there's this, this thing that Jesus brings together. There's this coupling of those things where not only uh, do we understand that we absolutely cannot without an encounter with God, without the work that Jesus has done for us, there is that, that, we, that is an absolute necessity. But then God says, alongside, right? As a part of that, I want you to tell everybody else what I've done. So part of us walking in the freedom that Christ has given us is that then we share that with other people because God wants them to be free as well. And so if you are here today and you come and you pray and you have an encounter with Jesus, I want you to go and tell somebody about it. Because see, that's part of the thing is that things that we bring into the light you know, that when we are not allowed, we don't allow them to be hidden anymore. We don't allow shame to dominate us any longer. We bring those things out into the light. That's when God takes and makes something beautiful out of them and makes it something that someone else can grab hold of and a testimony that someone else's faith can be strengthened and they can be free as well. God's desire for us is to bring us out of the cave and into community. At the end of this, this scene that we read in Mark, where do we find this man? We find him sitting, clothed in his right mind at the feet of Jesus, surrounded in community. God's intent is not for you to be alone, but for you to walk in community. And that's where we find this man at the end of this text. And so, freedom sometimes is instant. Um, my dad smoked for years, and when I was really small, um, my mom had been wanting him to quit, and uh, my dad wasn't saved when my parents uh, first got married, um, but he had come to Christ, and, um, but he was, you know, he, he, my mom wanted him to quit smoking, and he felt like he should quit smoking, and um, on his way to work one day, uh, he was smoking a cigarette, and thumped the Thumped it out, you know, the butt out the window. Looked at the guy he was riding with and said, that's it, I'm done. And never smoked another one. Right? It was in, just instantly, it was, never wanted it again. And so God, God works in that way sometimes. But oftentimes freedom is, is a journey for us. We have to walk it out. Because we live in a, a broken world. And so when... When you have that encounter with Jesus, you have that moment where you know that the Lord is speaking to you about something and there's something that, that you need to lay at his feet, something that's been dominating your life or something that, that you've been really struggling with and you can't seem to shake it and, and you know that the Holy Spirit is, is talking to you and you come and you lay that thing at Jesus' feet um, you know, and then you go back out into a broken, fallen world and you're still surrounded by all the same stuff and there's still those same triggers and you've been living in a pattern for so long that it's just easy to fall back into that. That's when we need community with one another. We need to be sitting at Jesus' feet together, opening the word of God together, sharing our struggles with one another. In fact, the word of God says that when we bear each other's burdens that we are fulfilling the law of Christ. 
So God's desire is for you to be free. It's to call you out of the cave and into community. To call you from decay to discipleship, from death to destiny, from isolation to inclusion, from lies into liberty. So I want to give you that invitation today. I want to give you that opportunity today to have an encounter with Jesus. You see, there are things in this world that will master us. And those masters will always take from you. They will always take and they will always want more. Jesus is the only master who gives. He gives life. And he gives life to the fullest. Life abundant. And he's inviting you into that place today. So could you bow your heads with me this morning? I want to ask the worship team to come back. Lord, you are our deliverer. And God, I just ask that you would begin to speak. I know even now that you're, you're tugging at our hearts. That there are people today, God, that you have made an appointment with. That you've gone out of your way. To say, I'm here. I'm here for you. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak. Pray that the good news today, that there is freedom in you, would seep deep down into our spirit, into our heart. Lord, I feel like maybe that there there's more than one here right now who just, they're just hopeless. I pray, God, that you would let them know, let them feel your arms wrap around them right now and let them know that there is hope to be found in you today. that your desire is for us to be free. Jesus, you said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, Lord, I know today that there are people, God, they just feel heavy. They just feel heavy. And you want to lift that burden off of them today. God, there are some today who are in agony in their mind, just wrestling and tortured in their mind. You want to bring comfort and healing to them today. So Holy Spirit, have your way. Jesus, speak. Because Lord, it's, it's you that makes all the difference. Lord, it's when what we see in Scripture 
what we've read in your word today. God, it it lets us know that what we really need most of all is just an encounter with you and that you are a God who loves us enough to make an appointment, to sail across the lake, as it were, just, just for us. So Lord, right now, while you're drawing, I pray, pray that people would respond. Today is their day. Today is their day. In Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a minute. So there, maybe you're here this morning and, and you say, Todd, um, I've never had an encounter with Jesus. I've never given my life to him. But I know that today is my appointment, that, that I'm here because God is speaking to me and I want to give my life to Jesus today. If that's you, can you raise your hand and let me see you where you're at? Uh, I'm not going to bring you to the front or embarrass you or anything. I just want to be able to pray with you. So if you say, Todd, I want to give my life to Jesus today. I need him to lift my burden today. If that's you, could you raise your hand let me see you? I'll wait just a minute longer. Thank you. Thank you. Up in the balcony, I see you. Thank you. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to ask everybody in the room to pray along with these who've raised their hand. We're just going to pray together and invite Jesus in and say, Heavenly Father, thank you for giving your life for me. Thank you for making an appointment today for me. I give my life to you. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me and make me clean. And from today forward, teach me to follow you. My life is yours. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time, whether you raised your hand or not, can I ask you to do me a favor? Um, in the seat back in front of you there's a card if you could fill that card out and, and just drop it in the box we're not going to like uh, show up at your house or anything like that but we do want to help you with the next steps on your journey we want to talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus because today is just the first step in a lifetime of following him Jesus invites us into an apprenticeship right into following him um and so we, we come to him really not knowing how to live the best life we're supposed to live. And he wants to teach us how to do that. And so we want to be a part of that journey for you. And so if you filled that card out today or if you prayed that prayer today, fill the card out and, and let us have the privilege and the honor of being a part of that with you. So uh, I need to do a couple of things because I forgot a little bit earlier. All right. Um, number one, if you are part of our El Salvador team, I want to invite you to come forward right now. 
So we have a team uh, that is heading to El, El Salvador uh, Saturday. Right? They leave this coming Saturday, and they're going to be going and working with one of our ministry partners there. Um, Steph, what, what kind of things are you guys going to be doing? Building latrines. So this is not glamour work, right? Um, they're, but they're going to be going and just serving the people there, right? Meeting their physical needs uh, so that... Um, well, so that their needs can be met because God's concerned about those things. And oftentimes, we're not ready to hear the message of the gospel because we have these pressing needs, right? If someone's hungry and you come and say, well, Jesus loves you, but you don't give them anything to eat, well, that doesn't really resonate, does it? And so we want to go and we just want to serve people because that's the heart of God. And then... Um, Maybe that will open some doors for us to share the love of Christ with them as well. And so this team is going to be going to El Salvador. And what we want to do is we just want to pray over them this morning uh, and send them out. Um, pray that God will use them to do incredible things. And uh, that they will come back um, with, uh, with a renewed fire in their hearts. And it would be contagious for us as well. Uh, so can I ask you to stand? And we're going to stretch out our hands. And, and we're going to ask God's blessing on this team and on the things that they'll be doing there. So Lord, we thank you that you invite us into the work that you're doing in the earth. Your word says that you're not served by human hands as if you needed anything. And so God, you don't call us into this because you need something from us. You call us into this work because you want something for us. And Lord, there is no greater joy than when we are able to make an impact on someone else's life. And so Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that this team is going to have as they're going to El Salvador to serve. And I pray that you would go with them. I know that you've already gone before them to prepare the way. I pray that you give them favor with our ministry partners. I pray God that you would give them humility just to desire to serve to lay themselves down for the people of El Salvador in the same way that you've laid yourself down for us. I pray, Lord Jesus, that the work that they do there would have a lasting impact on that village and on those people. And God, I pray as well that you would do a work in the hearts of this team. God, I believe that there may be calling and destiny that you're working out in some of these lives and I pray Lord Jesus that this would be a watershed moment in their lives Lord so we send them out with the covering of your spirit we send them out Lord Jesus as an arm of this church we send them out Lord Jesus as ambassadors of your kingdom and we ask that you would use them for your glory we give you the praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. So real quickly, I want to do one more thing. Um, you know, I, we talked quite a bit during, during this sermon about maybe you've had an encounter with Jesus before, but you're still struggling underneath the burden of something. As we sing this last song, our, our prayer team is going to be available and let, I want to really want to urge you 
take this opportunity to let somebody agree and pray with you about whatever it is that may be going on in your life. And I also want to ask you to take this brave step, right? We have to bring those things out into the light. So whether, whether you share with the prayer team member what's going on in your life or whether you have someone else that you can trust, that you feel comfortable sharing with, you need to talk about what's going on in your life, in your heart, in your mind. Bring that thing out into the open so that the Lord can do the work that He wants to do in you. God's desire for you is to be free. And just because you've brought maybe that thing to the Lord before, don't be discouraged. Because sometimes, it, sometimes it's a process that we walk through. There are examples in Scripture where, uh, it, one in particular where uh, I believe it's Daniel, he had prayed for an answer from God and uh, the answer doesn't come and he prays again and the answer doesn't come and he prays again and he continues to pray and the angel of the Lord arrives finally with his answer and the angel tells tells the prophet he says I was delayed because there was war in the heavens but your continuing prayer right is what enabled the victory to come I don't know how God works in all of that but I know that that is sometimes the way it happens. I also know that Jesus himself, when he was talking to us about how we should pray, right? He says, ask and you, um, ask and you will, will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. Those are actually in the Greek, those are continuing action words. It's not a one-time thing. It really probably would be better translated this way, ask and keep on asking, knock and keep on knocking, seek, and keep on seeking. So I don't want you to be discouraged today or to feel like that the answer will never come because the Lord himself and his encouragement to us says, don't give up. The answer is coming. Yeah, that's worth celebrating. So we're going to sing this last song together. We're going to celebrate this truth that the, the, the name of Jesus, that the power that's in his name causes the darkness to tremble. And I believe that there are going to be some walls that fall in some people's lives today. So as the prayer team comes and as we continue to sing, let's respond to what God has spoken in our hearts and allow him to do the work that he so wants to do in us. Can we do that together today? Amen. I love you. Uh, I'll steal from Pastor Mel. I am so glad that I get to be your pastor. God bless you. I love you.